We pray. Our comfort in our suffering is this. Your promise preserves our life. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, when we hear someone speak of a struggle, it's usually not a good thing. Perhaps it's their homework. They've spent hours poring over their textbook, studying their notes, trying whatever they can, but they just don't understand it, and they're struggling. It could be a disease, maybe something like a fever against which they're struggling to get done what they want to, or maybe something far worse. After years of treatment and fighting, the most recent results from the doctor say they have one month. Maybe their struggle is with an addiction. No matter how hard they try, what they try, to whom they turn, nothing seems to work and they keep going back to it. Generally, when people speak of struggle, it's something bad. It's a lot different, however, when we speak of struggling with God. Certainly, it's wrong to struggle against God's will, but to struggle with God in prayer, holding him to the promises he's made to us, that is God's will. Our struggle, brothers and sisters, is real. Yes, it hurts not to trust in ourselves, but it's a blessing to trust in God's promises. In our reading for today, Jacob had certainly been hurting, and for a long while by this point. More than 14 years before this night, he had needed to flee from his home to escape his murderous brother. During his time away, he lived with his uncle Laban, who tried to cheat him out of his wages and out of the woman that he wanted to marry. And at the end of it all, Laban tried to hold Jacob back and keep him from leaving for home. Jacob had struggled much and was hurting from it. And to make matters worse, he is now facing a far more dangerous struggle, returning to his brother, who last he had seen him wanted to kill him. This is where we meet Jacob at the beginning of our reading for today. What would you have done if you were in Jacob's predicament? For Jacob, the answer was clear. It was his tried and true, his ace in the hole. He would deceive. This might not strike us as the obvious answer, but for Jacob, it was his favorite. He had deceived his father out of his brother Esau's birthright. When worried about confronting his brother, or later Laban, he just left. Got out of town in the middle of the night without telling them. And then, when Laban tried to cheat him, Jacob tried cheating him right back. So aptly was Jacob named at birth, heel grabber, deceiver. But this isn't the only solution we see Jacob employing here. At the beginning of this chapter, right before our, our reading for today, we see some struggle between Jacob's go-to and something else, prayer. 
And it's not difficult to see the struggle. First, he's afraid and schemes. I'll split my household into two groups. That way, if if one's attacked, the other can get away. Then, however, he stops. And he turns to God with great trust. Beautifully, he prays to God, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, you who said to me, Go back to your country and your relatives, and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff in my hand when I crossed this Jordan, but now I've become two groups. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me, and also the mothers with their children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. God made Jacob a promise, and he wanted to hold God to that promise. But he goes back to his plotting and sets up an elaborate plan to placate Esau, sending waves of gifts ahead of him. We see this back and forth playing out in our own lives as well. Trust in our cleverness, trust in Christ. Trust in our strength, trust in the Savior. When problems arise, we think, I know how to fix it myself, or if I try harder, that might take care of it. And well, that might be true. It shouldn't be where we go first, let alone what we put our trust in. This sinful tendency draws us away from, the, from trusting in the sure promises that we have from God. As wonderful as they are, it hurts to do that, doesn't it? To hand over the reins entirely to God. We know what we're doing, don't we? And praying doesn't seem to make it any easier when we can't see how God is working behind the scenes. Very quickly, we feel like the widow from the gospel lesson today. She kept going to the judge, asking for justice again and again. And for a while, she received nothing for her pleading. Does God really know our predicament? With seven billion people to consider, does God even care? Although there is struggle as we strive to trust in God, and it is painful, God is blessing us through it. We see this as well in Jacob's story. In his writings, Luther tells us that this is one of the most confusing and obscure portions of Scripture as far as trying to find spiritual application in it goes. What's going on here? God invites himself to a wrestling match with the father of the nation of Israel. What does this mean? Are we wanting to scratch our head a bit over Genesis 32? Maybe so. But one thing we can say confidently about it is this. At the end of his struggle with God, God blesses Jacob. This is said plainly in verse 29, and he blessed him there. But more striking is the way in which he's blessed in the verse prior. The Lord said to Jacob, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome This was a significant moment for Jacob. 
In the Bible, names are often a reflection of character, and for Jacob, this was no exception. Jacob, or heel grabber, means deceiver. So you can see why this is such a big deal for him. God is telling him, your identity will no longer be in who you were and what you liked to do. It's in me, you who has wrestled with God. But this wasn't simply because he had wrestled with God that Jacob received this name. He hadn't earned it by any means. No, he could leave behind the name deceiver only on account of the one who would come later. From his own line, in fact, perfectly wrestling with God's promises and submitting to his will in the Garden of Gethsemane. He, Jesus, whose name means he saves, would perfectly trust in the promises of the Father, that he would be raised from the dead. Jacob, now Israel, didn't need to worry about what could possibly come from his dangerous relationship with his brother. Christ's wrestling with the world and his overcoming of death is what saves Jacob and us from trusting in ourselves. When Jesus had the chance to trust solely in himself and to look out for his own best interests, he chose instead to do the work his father had sent him to do. That work involved him dying unjustly on the cross in our place because of our inclination to trust in ourselves and our failure to trust in the promises of God. Jacob received the name Israel, and we receive the name Christians because of Jesus' wrestling. As Jacob walks away that dawn, you can tell that the pain of his struggles is an afterthought. The limp he received from his hip being dislocated, mentioned in passing. His brother he has yet to face, not even brought up. The blessings Jacob received are the center of this story and all that matter to him at this point. In Jacob's struggles and in ours, God blesses us. And he does so in three ways. First, he gives us promises before the fact, before the struggles happen, to which we can hold. Not just that we won't be attacked by an estranged sibling or that if we are, we'll survive, No, we're given far more significant promises, spiritual promises. Above all, of course, is his promise of salvation. As he saved Jacob from physical death, so also he saves us from the spiritual death into which we were born. There is no higher comfort than knowing our eternal life is secured. Second, God promises to keep his promises. Our God is not one to flippantly throw words around, swearing to do something only to not make good on it later and leave us hanging. What he says, that he will do. This was true for God's promise to Jacob, that Jacob would go back to his country, to his relatives. He would live there and prosper. And it is true for his promise to us that he will hear and listen to our prayers. And the third is connected to the second. Jesus secured us access to the throne of God. To him we can bring our prayers, our thanksgiving, our pleas for mercy, and 
his own promises. It might sound weird, but it's what God wants and it's what we do. We latch on to a promise before God and bring it to him saying, you promised me this, God, and you don't take back your promises. Give to me what you have promised. That is how we wrestle with God, trusting in him to fulfill his promises, demanding that he fulfill his promises. And then when the struggle is past, he blesses us in our prayers as well. Again, we can see ourselves as the widow who would not stop asking for justice. Eventually, the wicked judge relented and answered her pleas. Our God loves us so much more than a wicked judge, and he will all the more certainly answer our prayers. Although it might not look like we expect or even be recognizable to us, our God will fulfill his promises and answer our prayers. Not only that, but as we read in 1 John, whatever we ask according to his will, not only will he hear, but he will also do for us. Here we bring God's promises before him and hold him to the certain and trustworthy words he gave to us. Be with me now, God. Don't leave me. You told me. You promised that you would be with me until the very end of the age. God, my life, it's a mess. It's a disaster right now. Work it for good. I understand I might not see how you do it, but you did promise to work all things for the good of those who love you. Don't forget, God. You've taken away my sin. You yourself, the Lamb of God, said that you have taken away the sin of the world. These are God's promises, and we hold him to them. This struggle with our God is not like any in how it hurts. To pull our trust and our confidence away from ourselves and put it into him and his promises instead is indeed painful. But our struggle with God is not like any other in how it blesses either. We may struggle with him wherever and whenever, and we will be blessed by it. We have been given access to the throne of God through the name of his Son, and all this for our sake. We lift up our eyes to the hills. From where does our help come? Our help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Amen.